pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Um, we are, we are for, for those that are, are new with us today, we, we have been in this journey uh, through the book of Philippians for about 14 weeks now. We're actually on part 13. Benny, Benny actually preached one, uh, one week in there, but this is part number 13. We're in Philippians chapter 3. Uh, we're going verse by verse through this book, and uh, we are just taking it a little bite at a time. And, and the passage that we uh, have come to today is nothing short of God. Uh, I, I believe that when, when I finally sat down late Tuesday night, we, uh, we had our, um, our discipleship class, and, and we came home, we, we were uh, just talking to some folks here, and uh, I, I read the scripture when we got home, we didn't eat, we didn't eat supper that night until about midnight, and uh, poor Riley was exhausted, uh, but, but I, I sat down and I said, Tiff, I need, I need to read the, the scripture for, for Sunday before we go to bed, and uh, just make sure I know where my thoughts are. And when I read the scripture, I said, God, you can only do that. And, and this passage that we're at today is used in, in many lives on a regular basis. It, it, it is often quoted, and it has had a direct impact on so many people. And so Philippians chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 12 through 16, and next week uh, my hope is to, to finish out the rest of that chapter. Um, but I want you to think about, a question. Uh, what, is, what is so transformational about the Christian life? What is so transformational about the Christian life? What, what is so transformational about walking with Jesus? What is so transformational about giving our heart to Jesus and, and doing what God has called us to do as the local church of being on mission together? And so we're going we're gonna to dig into this Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. This is what Paul is writing. Not that I have already attained. Let me stop there for a moment. That's about far as we're going to get. What, what Paul is doing, let, let's talk back to verses 1 through 11. We spent two weeks in verses 1 through 11. All of those things he listed in those verses, beware of the dog, beware of evil workers. What, what things were gained for me, he says, I counted as loss, and so on and so on. And so Paul says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. But I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid a hold of me. Meaning Christ Jesus has made us his own. When we gave our life to Jesus, he made us his own. He made us his own. Let's, let's finish this out. Verse 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing did I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many are, as are mature, have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be 
of the same mind. Paul says twice in this passage, he encourages the church at Philippi twice to press on. To press on. Press on to make it my own. Verse 14, I press on towards the goal, towards the prize. This, uh, this press on phrase here means to uh, strenuously, strenuously pursue. That's a tongue twister. Strenuously pursue. Or to relentlessly move toward an object. To move forward despite an opposition that, that, may, that may come your way. What, what does press on really mean? What does press on really mean? What, what does that look like? In the life of a believer, it's when things go the, the, the direction that you don't think they're going to go, and you say, press on. When, when things don't seem to go right in, in a day-to-day life, how many of you have had a day where things just did not go right? Uh, you press on. You, you keep going. There, there's been many a times where I've been coaching baseball and, and been on the field and, and, and we lose a game 13 to nothing or 13 to 1 and, and I'm looking at my players and I'm saying, guys, we got to press on. You got to come back to the field tomorrow. You can't leave it here. You got to come back. You got to press on. And that's what Paul is doing in this, in this moment. He says, this has a past, a present, and a future aspect. Okay, it sounds too easy, right? Like, like Paul writes all of this, and he shares with uh, this church at Philippi all of the aches and all of the pain. And the man, the, here's the thing, the main thing is the man was sitting here in a jail cell, and this is what he says. You have to press on. Remember what Paul is saying in, in verses 1 through 11. Reject uh, fleshly confidence. Reject self-righteousness, meaning that you are uh, a superior than someone or someone else. Reject all of that stuff, and you need to focus on rejoicing in the Lord. Like, don't, don't think it's all about status. Don't think that it's, it's all about an, an accomplishment or keeping the list or, or pressing other people. Paul says, don't even go there. Forget those things which are behind. Look forward to those things that are ahead. And I encourage you to press on. Church, I don't know about you, but that's, that's, my, that's my prayer this week. God, don't, don't let me dwell on, on the things of the past. Don't, don't let me dwell on the things that, that keep my mind occupied, that keep my mind going on a daily basis. Help me forget what's behind. Look forward to the things that you have ahead because I know that your plan is greater than my plan. I know that your will is greater than my will. And church, that's what we've got to focus on. His plan, His grander plan in the scheme of things is much better than what we could ever think or imagine. Now, it doesn't mean that heartache ain't going to come. It, it doesn't mean that we're not going to be let down. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be hard days. But he's saying as long as you keep the grand scope of things, and you look at it from the lens of me, I've got it right in the palm of my hand. In church, there have been times where your pastor, and I'll say it in front of you, has gotten ahead of God. 
there have been moments where I really think something's right in my heart, but maybe I didn't talk to God enough. Maybe you've been there before, you know. Maybe maybe you've been in that that moment before. We we all make mistakes, right? Like like we we're all sinners. The Bible says we all fall sin and fall short of the of the glory of God. And, and, and the thing is, when I read this passage, do you, do you really know what it does to me? I, I read it over and over and over and over again. It fuels my fire for God that is already inside of me. You know, work harder. Be stronger. Don't, don't let the foot off the gas and press on because there are brighter days ahead, Paul says. But here's the thing. Every time you want to press on, Every time that you want to try harder, the fleshly confidence side comes back in. That's just human nature. The enemy comes back in and he says, you don't need to press harder. You're defeated. You don't need to keep your foot on the gas. You're defeated. You don't need to be looking ahead to Sunday because I'm, I'm going to make sure I stop Sunday. That's what the enemy says. God says, I've already won the fight. I, I, I've, already, I've already won the battle. I, I, I did it by sending my son Jesus to die on the cross for sin, for this world, for everybody that's in this place, everybody that's in this community, everybody that's in the state of North Carolina. He died for them. He lives for them. In church, my foot does not go off the gas, and I will not let up. I will not be quiet. Until we know we have accomplished that mission. And that mission is not accomplished until my grave and your grave and everybody else's grave where Jesus Christ comes back to take his church away. Our accomplishment of mission is not finished. It's not. Like I said, there's going to be days of limbo. Some of you have been walking with me for, for four years. God bless you. <laughs> uh, some of you have only been walking beside of me for a few months. Some of you, this is your first day. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But there's going to be days where the enemy wants to wiggle his way in. In your life. In your family. In your schools. Y'all pray for the kids this week. They go back to school uh, this coming Wednesday. Some, some of our early college kids have already come back. But y'all pray for them. Y'all pray that they're ambassadors for Jesus Christ this week and, and, and this school year. Y'all pray for safety. Because Satan's going to do everything that he can to destroy that too. Paul says during these moments, press on. The passage seems to be uh, describing this, uh, this liberation of the past. The, the motivation from the present. The anticipation for the future. And look at verse 15 again really quick. And then we're going to break this down a little bit. He's not saying this is just my mindset. He's not saying this is just uh, my story. And, and, and you non-apostles cannot think uh, like this because it's too spiritual for you. No, he's saying, therefore let us. As many as are mature, have this mind. Have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Meaning any mature follower of Jesus is going to think this way. And if you don't think this way and you're a child of God, Paul says he's going to reveal that to you. Have you, have you ever had those mornings 
where you read the Bible, and it's like God just exactly knows what you need. Have you ever read your devotional? And, and I don't know, but it's like Sarah Young, the Jesus Calling book. Like, she knows exactly what you're going to go through 365 days a week. Have you noticed that? Like, it's weird. It's kind of scary. Like, she's in my head. Like, she knows. And, and, and it's like, man, that's, that's the words I needed. Like, for me this week, time and time again, I would open my Bible. And God would just encourage my heart. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are a rock. The funny thing is that Paul's talking about this word mature in verse 15. It's the same thing as the word perfect in verse 12. Paul's like, I'm not perfect. The only one that is perfect is God. I'm growing in maturity, and I'm not really sure what that is yet, but I do know one thing. Paul says, I'm going to press on. And so now everyone who is really and truly mature will think this way. And Paul is saying one of the signs is maturity is to know that you're not mature. Think about that for a moment. One of the, one of the signs of maturity is to know that you haven't got it all figured out yet. Paul's like, I'm not perfect. The only one that is perfect is God. What, what, what do we mean by that? If you came this morning with the sense that you are not where you need to be spiritually. That's a sign of moving in the right direction that you're here today. If you came today with a sense that I'm good, like I, I don't need anything today. I don't want to hear him. I don't want to hear him preach. I don't need to grow. I don't need someone preaching at me and telling me how to do it. I've got it all figured out. I'm just doing church for the status or for the self-gain. Then my prayer and our church has a, a, a prayer should be that God would reveal that to you. What verse 16 seems to be saying is don't minimize or maybe trivialize what has been accomplished in your life. Don't have the reaction that you've got that and, and, and you don't need the help. I, I don't have to be the one to help you. Your spouse or parent doesn't necessarily have to be the one to help you, but God sure does need to help you. If he isn't in it, then it ain't from him. And I know that's not proper English, but that's how it is. If he ain't in it, then it ain't from him. So let's jump in. This is, this is my one and only point today. Mature Christians know that their vitality flows from their identity in Christ. Mature Christians know that their vitality flows from their identity in Christ. What do I mean by vitality. Vitality is this, this energy not to be defined by the past or, or press on in the present and, and keep those eyes locked in as a person, as a church on the future. But their vitality of, of this energy flows from their identity in Christ. Where does that come from? Look at verse 12. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Do, do you see that? If, if Christ Jesus has made me his own, because Christ Jesus had made me his own, I, I can press on to make it my own. 
Okay, so it, it's my identity in Christ. It's the fact that God has spoken, like in Isaiah 45, where God says, You are mine. You are mine. That those aren't just empty words because uh, Christ gave his life to make that happen. It is not dependent on our, our, our fleshly confidence and, and this irrevocable covenant. But it is the oath of God and the blood of Jesus Christ that we are God's. Okay, This, this church is God's. This is not Thomas's church. This is not the leadership's church. This is not just Cross Life Church. This is God's church. And He reigns over us. He is in control. And Christ has made it His own. In 2018, in July 2018, when the bank account was open, that wasn't Cross Life Church bank account that was open. It was God's bank account that was open. It was the mission of the church of God that was open. When we launched the service on May 5th of 2019, we launched out for the first time. We were wondering what a launch even was. We, we didn't know where we were launching to. Uh, but we launched it, baby. We did it. <laughs> and, and man, the sound was crazy, kind of like it was at the first this morning, but thank God for those guys back there. They, they did a good job this morning. They, uh, we launched it, and I was like, that was the launch? That's it? <laughs> like, now what? May the 12th, you come back in, and you lost like 75% that you had the week before? Like, man, we're launched. Now what? We move here in December of 2020. Didn't know what we were doing. Didn't know what we were walking into. Walked into the first service. It's like, man, we did it. Went the next week. And we did it again. Look, I still don't know what a launch is. I feel like we launch every Sunday. You know, every Sunday in the house of the Lord is a launch. It's a launch to something better. It's a launch to greater things. But Paul says, keep the mind on Christ. And keep your identity in Christ. I love that. You know, when we, when we, when we think about the relationship with God through Christ that, that fuels us to get to the point of forgetting what's in the past and, and, and pressed on to the present. And when we do what we are saying, we are giving up ourselves so that we can experience all that He has for us in the future. The mission at Cross Life has not changed and it will not change. It's going to be the same. It's that we will give of our lives to serve Jesus. That we would grow up through our worship and our study like you're doing for the discipleship class. And that we would simply go and tell the world about Jesus Christ. That is the mission of the church. But here's the thing, looking at the breakdown of, of this thing that Paul is sharing, the things that he has obtained and the things that he has not obtained, he says in verse 12, and I'm going to read it again, not that I have already attained, or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid a hold of me. So what, what exactly has he obtained? That Christ has made him his own. Isn't, isn't that neat when you look at it? Paul is not saying, I was a church member of the month last month. 
We don't have that here. We, no, that would be something. We, Terry, we need to start that. Church member of the month. Uh, parking spot and all. That's right. Amen. Uh, he was not saying, I, I lead this and I lead that. He, he's not flashing the accomplish, accomplishments in the face. He's like, look at my resume. He's not saying, look at what I'm about to get. None of that stuff matters. What does matter is that Christ has made him his own. We ought to put parking spots out there that says, you're a child of God. You know, every single one of them, you're a child of God. You're a daughter of the king. You're, you're, you, 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 are, you are mine. Here is the greatest church planter in history, in my opinion, of Paul. And he's saying, what have I obtained? Nothing. I'm Christ's. Like, I, I am his. That's it. Like, that's all I need to know. And it's not that Paul was just oblivious to church planting. It's not that he didn't know that, that he didn't know what he was doing to what God has done through him. He just knows what God has done in his life and what was not him doing. But it was nothing but God doing it through him. He's saying right here, what, what fuels me to press on? Is not having a chart with all sorts of access points like we have on a GPS and accomplishments and highlights and numbers. I, I'm not I'm not marking off the streets that I've I've walked down. I'm not I'm not checking off the people group or, or checking off uh, somebody on the map. No, if I come in contact with them, I'm sharing Jesus. What fuels me is to press on. Is that Christ has made me His own. There's no greater thing than that. It's what I've obtained. Let's talk about what I've not obtained. What I've not obtained. Verse 13, I have not fully made it my own. He's saying I haven't embraced all of it. I haven't experienced all of it that God has for me, but he will experience it through Christ. So there's this uh, gap here between this inward call and this upward call. And what fills that gap is that Christ has made me his own. And the upward call, that he hasn't experienced all that God has for him yet. And I'm pressing towards that goal. And, and what modifies that goal is forgetting what lies behind and pressing forward to the things that are ahead. Church, as long as we can keep that focus that we can say in our life every day that we, get, we, we wake up God there's something more for me to experience there's something more for, for me to learn and I'm going to forget about what happened yesterday and I'm going to look forward to the thing that you have for me today and the thing that you have for me for the future I don't know about you church but I'm excited for the Lord's future. I am truly excited for the future. He says, therefore, I press on. A lot of us are, are, are confused on what it means to forget. Remember this. The concept of forgetting biblically is not passiveness or passive amnesia here. <laughs> like, uh, Paul is not going around saying, oh my I forgot that I planted a bunch of churches. How did that happen? It's not primarily a conceptual thing, but an actual thing in this sense. My, my present 
is not actually defined by what happened, but what Christ has done. But what defines our living day to day is the reality of who God is and what He has done. It's not the hurt from the past. It's looking forward to what lies ahead, Paul says. He says this, brethren, I do not count myself to be apprehended, but one thing that I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. He's not saying he doesn't remember anything that he did as a Pharisee. Hey, Paul, Paul started off that way. Remember, all, all of this conversation is happening because he is, uh, he is pointing how he's been before Christ came into his life. That's what he did for the first half of the chapter in verses 1 through 11. He's not saying, I don't remember anything that I have done before being a believer. No, I remember all of that. He describes all of that when he was shipwrecked. He, he says that uh, he was in prison. He's in prison. He, he's saying there, there were churches planted. There were souls saved. It's not conceptual. It is actual. My today is defined by the love of Christ, not past hurt or past success. And I know that's a hard way to look at it. And trust me, I'm still working on it myself. I'm preaching to myself today. But we cannot be defined by the world. We, we cannot be defined by those that have hurt or, or maybe Something that happened 10 years ago with a, with a success. He says, you are defined by the love of Christ. Forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. It, it has this image of being bent forward. Um, the hair blowing in the wind. The ha- I, don't, I, don't, I don't have enough hair to blow in the wind. But if I did, I don't run fast enough for my hair to blow in the wind. Um, Hands reached out, you know, this is, this is the part where I, I see these words and I'm like, God, how, how can I just be at rest? Anybody ever feel like they don't get to rest? I've had, I've had those weeks. This, this is one of those weeks. But uh, if, if the definition of rest is doing nothing, then Paul was not at rest. I don't get that. Do you? Like, rest is doing nothing. Paul says rest, but yet he's sitting in a prison cell writing. He's not resting. Biblical rest was not passivity. Uh, it, it, it was, it's not even an absence of hostility. Remember a few weeks ago when I mentioned we can be in the storm, but we can still be at rest. Church, I was reminded of that. I was sitting in the stillness of the moment in my office on Friday, and God says, be still in the storm and rest. You may be in the midst of a storm in your life right now, church. There may be multiple storms in your life right now. Maybe, maybe it's doctor appointments coming up. Maybe it's loved ones that uh, have been in the hospital, loved ones that are in the hospital. Maybe it's a diagnosis that uh, you have received. Maybe, maybe it's a diagnosis they haven't found yet, and you're doing testing. I'm telling you, just be at rest. Because he holds the future. And, and we can, yeah, that's the thing. Like, you get a phone call and... I got a phone call this past week. Y'all pray for me. I go tomorrow, and, and I'll have a liver scan. And um, was praying for everything to be fine there. But um, you get that phone call from the doctor, and they're like, hey, I need you in ASAP to do this. Okay. <laughs> What's going on, doc? Uh, we, we, we'll see you on Monday. Yes, ma'am. See you Monday. 
you know, and then you just worry, right? Like, who wouldn't worry? It's like somebody breaks their leg and they're like, well, you might walk again. Well, might? <laughs> well, if you do the proper therapy and you, and you do what we've asked you to do, yeah, you'll walk again. Okay? Maybe, maybe it's somebody just waiting for the blessing of life to come pour out in their life and, 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 and the individual's been waiting for weeks and weeks and weeks for that answer. And every day they're sitting by that phone waiting for it to call. And God says, you're going to have to wait another day. Paul says, in those moments, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He says, you might be in the middle of the storm. You might be in this middle of a, of a funnel. And, it, and you're just in this whirlwind of emotions. But be at rest. Remember Jesus sleeping on the boat. You remember that story? What, what, what a picture. Okay, I want you to look at this picture that I've got for you. So. Look at this. He, this guy's not, not focused on past successes. He's, he's not focused on past failures. He's running towards maturity. He's wanting to get to experience the resurrection of Christ. Like he wants that in his life so that he can get to Jesus. So that he can know Jesus. He's not, he's not looking at the past. He's not over here saying, man, I failed yesterday. Man, I, I, I did this in the past, and, and now I'm focused on this stuff. No, no, no. A lot, of, a lot of people that are focused on past successes, they'll dwell in the past successes. Churches are dying today. Churches are closing their doors today because they're focused on the past successes. And they're not looking forward to new successes. They're, they're thinking about, well, this time we did this event, let's talk about the failure. Let's talk about the past failure. And, and instead of running towards maturity in Jesus, they're scared that they're going to get up in another failure. Get up in a, maybe, well, it's not going to work out the way that it used to. No, look, you can, I'm finding out. Halloween rolls around. You can't go wrong with a trunk or treat, folks. <laughs> well, you don't, even, you don't even have to put a sign out these days. October 31st, they're going to come. It's like they just know that church is going to happen. You know, sometimes when we focus on the past, we forget about present. When we focus on a failure, we never succeed. We never see the success. See, you see that? Like, it's like. We can, we can focus on numbers from last year on events, but it doesn't mean God didn't bless the event this year. You know, like, we, we, can, we can set a goal, but if you don't hit the goal, that's okay. We hit goals for, for mile markers for the church. That's why we make goals. Goals, not hitting goals does not mean you failed. It means that we have something harder to work towards next year. That's all that, that's all that means. It's not about the past, the past failure or the past successes. It's about running towards the maturity and running towards the resurrection of Christ and knowing Jesus Christ personally. Now, look, I'm just going to be honest with you. I had so many notes for today and so many charts. I had, I had slide upon slide to show you today, things that I drew out. 
that I was going to put it on the screen. And Friday afternoon, I texted Benny and I said, I just threw my whole sermon away for Sunday. It's in the trash if y'all want to go grab it out. But instead, I want to tell you a story. And, and, and don't worry about turning there. I just want you to listen to me. And I'm going to try to summarize it. It might take me a little while to summarize it. It's probably not going to answer all the questions that we have of where this stuff comes from. But if we can get this one point in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus told a story about a dinner. And the host of that dinner was named Simon. Simon was a Pharisee, supposedly very wealthy. He had this gigantic house, uh, invited a bunch of people to come to his house. Jesus was invited to that dinner. In that day and time, they had those, uh, those low-looking tables. They don't have that stuff that we have today that, that's adjustable. and, and whatnot. They, they had low tables. You sat near the floor. They had lots of pillows. That's what culture will tell us. Lots of pillows. A lot different from what we have today. C customary things of that time, they will tell you that, that a lot of people would lean on one elbow to eat. And they eat off the table. Okay? They, they don't eat at the table. They ate off the table, extended away from the table. Just imagine all of these important people, all of these probably wealthy people around Jesus. People on the street could walk up to the house, but they, they weren't allowed to go in the house. Okay? They, had a, they had a watch from outside. I don't know if they had bars. I don't, I don't know what they had back then. But, but they weren't allowed to come in. It, it wasn't unusual. The, these days, we wouldn't like that very much to see strangers just show up at a party that, that unannounced or uninvited. A lot of times, they would stand outside, and they would wait for the party to be over to hopefully get at least a scrap of food. That's, 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 that's kind of the scenario here. So, sometimes, uh, those people were not allowed to even participate, though. They, so, so we've got this formal gathering. Simon, you can imagine, looking forward to having this uh, prestigious teacher uh, named Jesus. He was happy to have Jesus a part of this meal, and everything was just perfect. But then the atmosphere changed. Some of you know this story. A woman of the city walked in. Big uh-oh during that time. Okay, she was known as this sinner. She was a prostitute. She had a past, and you could feel the tension in the room. <laughs> but it gets worse. She doesn't just go off into the corner. She doesn't go off into the shadows and disappear. She approaches Jesus. And standing over Jesus' feet, she begins to weep. And the tears coming from her eyes start laying on the feet of Jesus. And this is a, a strong weep. She, she falls on her knees. She flips her hair over, which was not something that you do during that time. Ladies did not wear their hair down. That was, that was a, a, a sign, that uh, a scandalous sign to let your hair down. She begins to, to wash his feet with her hair. Everybody at this dinner party was absolutely frozen. 
They didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to say. Simon the host is just in complete shock. Everything was just going perfect, and now all of a sudden this woman off the street has come in, has taken over the party, messed up the party, and Simon whispering to the guy beside him saying, this man's a prophet. Why doesn't he know that that woman is touching him and he needs to push her away? And he says, get away from me, you sinner. That's what Simon says, but... but this look of Jesus was a lot different look than this woman had ever experienced in her life. She knew what the look of abuse was. She knew what the look of neglect was. She knew what the look of lust looked like. But the look of pure, strong, and compassion and love overwhelmed her soul. And then Jesus breaks the tension. He turns to Simon. Knowing Simon just secretly whispered to somebody else, this man is a prophet, he needs to know what he's doing, this isn't the kind of woman to get wrapped up in, just questioning Jesus at this point. Jesus knows his thought and says, Simon, can I tell you a story really quick? Simon says, teacher, why don't you tell us? There's this money lender, Jesus says, that has two debtors. One of them owes 500 denarii. Now, one denarii equates to a day's labor. So 500 denarii would have been a salary of about a year and a half. All of the money you can earn for a year and a half, that's what the debtor owes this money lender. Another debtor owes 50 denarii. And even though their, their debts are different, the conditions are the same. They, they both can't afford the debt, so therefore they're both hopeless in that moment. Back then, you didn't have a bankruptcy. If you didn't have the money, you just lost everything. And the money lender came over to both debtors and said, You know what? You're forgiven. Jesus said he freely forgives him. And out of pure compassion, forgiveness took place. And Jesus turns to Simon at the time and he asks, Which one of those debtors will love more? Simon Answer somewhat like this. This man who knows so much, this man that can critique, can edit, can analyze success, and yet has every very, very little sense of forgiveness and not much sense of love in his heart. He says, the one who has forgiven more. But look at this woman, Simon. You didn't wash my feet. You didn't pour any oil on me. You've never wept over me. Simon, there's no sense of love in your heart. And yet this woman, yet this woman, Jesus contrasted to, and, and, he, and he summarizes it this way, the one who forgives little loves little. And so Jesus teaches that little forgiveness produces little love. Big, big forgiveness produces this big, gigantic Love, and remember biblically what love is. Look, love is not this Hollywood makeshift thing that they put out on television. That's not love. Love is the most powerful, most motivating force. True biblical love is God's given love. It's not just an energy drink that lasts five hours. 
It's fueling fire. It's what we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. That is just something that is constraining me, pressing in on me, and compelling me because Christ died for me. It fuels and it energizes. It gives us energy in the midst of horrible circumstances, horrible conditions. Like Paul here, as he's sitting in jail and yet rejoicing in the Lord. It gives us stability when we see great success. So if I have little energy to press on, if I have very little sense that Christ has made me his own, then where am I broken if I make it my own? Where I have little forgiveness, right? Does that mean I should go out and sin big? It, it, does that mean that I should go out and do whatever I want to so, so God can have this massive forgiveness on me? No. Because you've already done that, you are, or you are vile before a holy God. The word vile means extremely unpleasant. The Bible says we've all sinned. We all have that in our life. We all have the nasty. Now listen, your sin may look different than somebody else's sin. Horizontally, you, you may be able to compare yourself to somebody else's sin and think that you aren't that bad. Like Simon over here, the host of the party. But when God opens your eyes so that you can see how holy He really is, how sinful and helpless we really are, and He pours out His favor to us with His Son, Jesus Christ, on a cross that He brings you to Himself, and you can officially experience the love of Jesus Christ and a forgiveness that is so big. There's a love that flows from that. It's not always automatic. That's what Paul's really describing. I'm pressing on. I'm pressing on to experience all there is to know and live in what Christ has made me his own. That's not something where we can just say that's in the past. I I did that. I prayed that when I was seven, and I did that. I had to do it so I could become a member, so I, I checked that box off. No, for Paul, it's the energy source for everything that is happening in his life and towards the future. He is constantly going back. He is constantly rehearsing what he has done to know that Christ has made him his own and the source of his fueling favor, this source of pressing on when somebody hurt you, to press on when there's no forgiveness, to press on because there was an upward calling for the sake of Jesus Christ. And as I close today, as I close today, let me read verses 14 through 16. I press toward the goal. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already obtained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Praise team, if you can come forward. I, I want to ask you a question as we get ready to close. What do I need? What do I need to press on? Maybe, maybe another question. What, what do I need to press in on? What do I need to press in on? Do I need to press in on being more, more involved and discipled and raised up? Do I need to press in more on just getting back to 
uh, a daily prayer life? Do I need to press in on getting rid of this secular side of things and start looking at the biblical side of stories, events, and the things of this life? Do I, do I need to, to press on and more of solidifying my relationship with Christ to be in the state of true worship? Do I need to press in more on being able to forget the things of the past and focusing on the things of the future and being able to forgive and forget so that God can do incredible things in my heart and in my life? Maybe it's where we just don't fully understand this thing called the Christian life. And whatever it is today that we need to press in on and ask God to reveal what it is that you need to do in order to get your life to where it needs to be. Because I will say this and I will say it and I will say it again and again. Cross Life Church, we will press on. We will stand tall. We will stick together. We will rise up. We will bow at the foot of the cross to worship. We will lock arms. We will be strong. We will be one. And we will be on mission together in this church. We will. And this is my plea to you. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior of your life, I want to give you an opportunity today to know Him. There's this man named Jesus. He gave His life for you. He gave his life for you on the cross over 2,000 years ago for sinners like me and you. And it's simple. All you have to do is allow him to come into your heart and so that you can experience true joy in this life. And God says, I want you. I want you in the palm of my hand and I want to grow you up and I want you to have a future. Is the future going to be blurry? Yes. Is the experience going to be different for everyone? Yes. But I'm asking you, press toward Jesus Christ. And if you need to give your life to Christ today, during this invitational time, we're going to sing, My Jesus, I love thee. You come. If you need to press in on some things of this life, I I encourage you to use this altar as a place of forgiveness towards God. Dwelling will never move us forward, but digging deeper in our relationship with Christ will always move us forward. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you for what you have done today. Lord, you are an amazing God. You are the God that you say you are. Lord, your promise in Scripture that you would build your church is coming to fruition. Lord, your your promise after promise after promise. Lord, I, I just pray that we would see that. Lord, that we would know that. And Lord, what an encouraging word today to press on. To press on towards the things that really matter. To press on towards the things that doesn't have anything to do with the past. Forgetting what lies behind and looking forward to the things that are ahead. And God, I just pray that you would use every willing vessel in this church to accomplish the mission that you have set before us. There's somebody here today that has never met you, has never known you as Lord and Savior of their life. Lord, I pray before this service is over that they would give their heart to you, that they would turn from their sin, and that they would see the need to have you in their life. Have your will, have your way in Jesus' name. Amen.
Now stand. I, my Jesus, I love thee will be our closing hymn. You come if you need to, to come today.